When Amanda was 12, she went through her very first breakup. And she wrote about it in her diary. Dear Diary, Okay, Ben just broke up with me. He said it wasn't me. And he still thinks I'm hot and rates me a 9 out of 10. (laughs) But he said he wants to be single for like a month. (laughs) I wasn't mad at him, but just surprised. He still said on the phone, I think you're hot, so everything's okay. That's Amanda reading from the diary she kept when she was 12. And this, this is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Usually on the show, we bring you lots of different types of childhood and teenage writing. But this time, to celebrate Valentine's Day... We're doing something a little different. We've gone through the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids archive, and we are playing you some of our all-time favorite readings about young love. From secret crushes to breakup poems, raging hormones to long-distance love letters, it is a very special episode dedicated to love, romance, and the awkward, awesome things that can happen when kids fall in and out of love. So think about your crush when you were a kid and stick around. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. When Dave was 17, he wrote a love letter to a girl he spent two summers with at camp. A quick heads up. Dave's letter includes some cuss words, which we don't bleep. It also acknowledges the existence of sex and the existence of drugs. There's your heads up, live on stage in Toronto. Here's Dave. Dear Julia, before I begin, I want you to know that nothing you've done brought on what I'm about to say. It's obvious by now that you know how much I love and care for you. You don't know this, but you're the world to me. Not a day goes by when I'm not thinking about you constantly. I don't even know exactly what it is that brought on this crazy adoration for you, but whatever it was, it worked. This isn't another one of those love letters. It's more of a way for me to be able to live my life normally rather than always upset and crying because I can't be without you. Or because I can't be with you. Although I know our relationship has been fine and this may be coming out of nowhere, but I really can't continue to call you every day and pretend that I'm not happy with us just being friends because I'm not. I love you. I love absolutely everything about you. I love your smile. I love your eyes. I love hugging you. I love your sense of humor. I love how you deal with problems by saying fuck it. I love... I love your nose, ears, eyes, and mouth. I really can't get enough of you. This letter so far might seem a little too intense, but But it's my only way of relieving this passion that I've had inside me for three years now. When we used to talk on the phone, and I always used to tell you I didn't want a long-distance relationship and I was cool with only seeing you once a month, well, all that was a load of shit. I can't stand not seeing you, and every time I talk to you, it just makes it harder for me to deal. I can't even begin to tell you what you mean to me. If I had a choice, I wouldn't talk to you for as many years as it takes to get through high school and university and would be fine not ever even looking at another girl for as many years as I had to if I knew for certain that in the end of all this, I could be with you. There are times in life when you meet someone who you think is a person you want to marry and spend the rest of your life with, and unfortunately, you just happen to be the woman of mine. (laughs) 
The reason I get so upset over you and I cry isn't because I want to see you and I miss you. It's because I want to spend the rest of my life with you, and I know that can't happen. This summer at camp, I didn't care that you were with Mike because I knew in my heart that it wasn't going to last a lifetime. When you and I hooked up after going to the Peel Pub, it was the happiest moment in all my life. The night before when I couldn't get it up, The night before when I couldn't get it up, it wasn't because I was tired and stoned. It was because I was so happy and in love that I, was thinking, I wasn't even thinking about sex. I was thinking that I was kissing you and that's really all I needed to be happy. <laughs> kissing you is like heaven on earth. I can't even begin to tell you how it made me feel. If you had offered a blowjob that night, I wouldn't have taken it. <laughs> because I love you too much to make you do something like that. Yeah. What? What? Some girls, some girls do it because they love to, and others because they want to please the guy. But honestly, and I'm telling you, honestly, kissing you is enough to make me happy for the next however many years it takes until I can kiss you again. Unbelievable. When we, when we were at Sarah's house, the second night I was holding you in my arms and we were sitting on the floor. There was a point while fooling around that I opened my eyes and looked up at you and I swear I could have started crying right then and there because of how happy I was to be holding you. Julia, in my eyes, you were the coolest, most beautiful girl in the world and I really don't think anything could ever take my mind away from you. I'm crazy, absolutely crazy about you. That night I told you Jeff was coming to pick me up. That was a lie. I lied because I was so happy after being with you that walking home from Sarah's was nothing. I practically skipped home. And God, <laughs> and God knows I live far from her. That was by far the best night of my life. And until I hook up with you again, nothing will ever be the same and feel as good as it did that night walking home. At first, I decided that the only way for me to be relaxed about us was to not call you and hope that eventually I would get over you. But I value our friendship more than any one of my best friends, and I can't not talk to you. My problem is that every time we talk, it makes me think about you nonstop until the next time we talk. I'm also having very mixed feelings about you and other guys. Because... <laughs> Because I know we're not together and I know there will always be other guys, but when I picture you with someone else, I get butterflies in my stomach. Like you went to, when you went to stay with Mike for the football game, I could hardly sleep until I smoked a joint to forget about everything. <laughs> not because I knew you were going to hook up with him, but what if, you know? I don't want to stop writing because even a Torah isn't enough words to describe how much I love you. Fucking <laughs> Torah. And my biggest problem is that I know you love me also, but you really could have never had the same feelings for me as I do for you. People keep telling me to get over you and to move on because we live in different places and it'll never happen. But I'm writing you this letter because maybe we won't be together now, but deep down in my heart, you're the only girl in the world for me, and I have the feeling we'll be together when we're older. I know what I'm saying might be a little crazy and far-fetched, but I love you and no amount of time could ever take that love away from me. I've never felt like this way, this way about anyone in my entire life. You're the shit in my world and it's not going anywhere. I love you more than anything, and I can't stop typing because I don't think I could ever truly show you how I feel. But I think this has done a satisfactory job. 
Julia, I love you in every sense of the word, and I really don't think anyone could ever love you the way I do. I just want you to know that I will always love you, and nothing will ever take that away. So look me up in 10 years and just know that even then, I will love you more than ever. I love you with all my heart and soul, and I feel like nothing without you. If any guy you ever date in life ever puts you down or pisses you off, don't stay with him, because it would piss me off to know that the nicest, sweetest, coolest, most beautiful girl in the world is being treated like shit. My number is 758945. <laughs> Remember it, please, because any time in life you need love or someone to care for you, call, because I want you to know I always will. I can't write anymore because I can't stand thinking about you. Just know, in big bold, that David Keystone does and always will love Julia, love always and forever. Keystone, P.S. I didn't write this letter to upset you in any way, shape, or form. I just had to let you know how I feel. I'm sorry for making it so personal, but that's what true love will do to a person. have advice from the future for 17-year-old Dave? Oh my gosh. Honestly, I was such a wuss back then. I was so scared of women that I just want to let them know I'm so into them. I didn't know how to pursue that and make it work. I just want to tell them how I feel and hope it all worked out. So I think I'd probably tell them just calm down, take a deep breath, tell her you're interested, and just become a friend rather than just torpedoing this interest at her. At our live events, readers usually get on stage by themselves. It's just them, their kid writing, and a microphone. But every once in a while, readers get on stage together. And at our show in Victoria, we got a real treat from a husband and wife duo who shared their teenage correspondence with some pretty important backstory. Trish and Rob are going to read a selection of the love letters they sent to each other 42 years ago. The context here, they were 16 and 18 years old at the time, and they were teenagers expecting a baby. Please welcome to our stage, Trish and Rob. There's one more thing you need to know. When Rob and Trish wrote these letters, they were apart. Rob had gone to Port Hardy to try and find a job at the mine there. So they were teenagers, 16 and 18, expecting a baby, and they were far away from each other. That's the backstory. Here's Rob. June 9th. I went to the mine this morning, and the personnel guy, Mr. Fox, said my work record wasn't very good. I know my past isn't good, but if I keep on bugging him, I will get on. I have to get on, or I can never be a real father. I really miss you lots, Robbie. I hope you're going to get a job soon. What are we going to do in three months? Something will work out, won't it? Oh, I sure hope so. And then Rob got a temporary job in the mine kitchen. Hi, I just had lunch, and I'm filled up to the top. Gee, you know what? I think I'm going to get fat. The food is so good, I just can't say no. I had corned beef, an omelette, mashed potatoes, vegetables, gravy, a big bun with lots of butter, and two glasses of milk. 
There's a lot of nice guys up here, but no girls. Boo-hoo. No, I'm just kidding. There are girls up here, but they're all ugly. Well, I love you, Trish. And then I did a drawing of myself looking at a naked Trish. <laughs> saying, with a voice, voice saying, Hi there, sexy. Hubba hubba. The baby is moving right now. It's a wonderful feeling. Hey, if it's a girl, do you think she'll be a little lady, or will she follow her daddy around and wear work boots and jeans like her mother? Let's just hope she won't wear makeup like Tracy M. (laughs) I miss you real lots. You quit sending dirty letters. What if our kids read them someday? You won't want them to know that they have a horny father, do you? Well, I just got up and I'm hungry. I miss you a lot. (laughs) I keep getting a feeling inside as if I was crying. Do you know what I mean? Now I am crying. I really love you a lot. I stop crying now. I've taken up poetry. Alone. I sit here alone in a grey dark room. I think of you morning, night and noon. My love grows every day and I hope you'll come here to stay. For I will ever hold you in my heart. But for now, I must make a start. But for now, I just sit in this room and I think of you morning, night and noon. Well, what do you think? Should I be a poet? Huh? Well, I guess it's not that good. But I'm pretty proud of myself. It only took me ten minutes to do. (laughs) Good night, sleep tight, and don't let the bug bugs get you pregnant like I did. I'm so lonely. I went to my prenatal class today. Next week, we're going to the hospital tour. I'm really looking forward to the birth of our baby. I can hardly wait until we can be together. You be good. Don't eye the girls. Brush your teeth. (laughs) I think I'll have an afternoon nap. If you were here, I'd have an afternoon something else. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? I went to my second prenatal class today. We did mock labor. That's when you contract a muscle in your arm and practice your breathing techniques. You're supposed to practice these once a day with your husband. Poor me. I don't have a husband. I can hardly wait until we can be together. Brush your teeth. And then uh, Rob landed a job in a mine up north. And we got married. Hi there, husband. I've been having contractions all the time. I practice my breathing whenever I get pains. Know what? Dixie went to Elton John. Eight fifty a ticket. I think she's dumb, but that's her choice. Hi, wife. Are you watching Beachcombers? I am. It's pretty good. We only get two channels up here, but it's okay. Boy, I can hardly wait to come see you and the baby. Hurry up and have it. Bye-bye. October 6th. Hi, wife and daughter. I can hardly wait to see you again. All my love from your husband. P.S. 
Hi, Lorene, from Daddy. Hi, Dan. It's Lorene here, Trish and Rob's daughter. So I knew that my mom had kept the letters. I remember her pulling them out when I was a teen. She read us a few of them, and she talked about throwing them out at the time, but I'm glad that she didn't. I'm also glad that she didn't show us the picture my dad had drawn of her naked. I wouldn't want to have seen that, (laughs) as a teenager especially. Uh, What strikes me most about hearing these letters is, is just how young they were. I was really born to a couple of kids, and although they were kids, they were also uh, so determined to be good parents. I'm the first of five children. I'm really proud of them and who they have become. The ending made me tear up a bit. They really were excited to start a family, it seemed. One very common theme at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids is unrequited love. Growing up, a lot of us fall for somebody who just doesn't feel the same way. And that was certainly true for our next reader. When Nancy was 15, most of her romantic feelings were not only unrequited, but you might say they were also a little misdirected. Live on stage in Windsor, here's Nancy reading from the diary she kept when she was 15. I had never had a boyfriend. You might understand why when I'm done this. Um, and I had this tendency to have huge crushes on teachers and older adults, like gym teachers, English teachers, my friends' uncles, men I met at funerals, like anyone. So, September 14th. Tonight was probably one of the best nights of my life. Amy's birthday is tomorrow, and a group of us went out for dinner at Bubby's. I prayed that something, even something small, would happen while the waiter happened. More specifically, Paul happened. Is love at first sight really possible? After tonight, I think it is. He was so good looking and so nice. And I know it's his job, but not all waiters are nice. There are a couple of pictures of him, and I'm in one. I intend to get copies made. Everyone there thinks I'm just hot for him, but really, he's not even my type. He's blonde, and I don't usually go for blondes. I asked him if I came back for my birthday, would he be my waiter, and he told me what days he worked. I will definitely go. P-A-U-L. Who would have ever believed that four such plain letters could make such a wonderful thing? September 15th. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. I only saw him for one night for a total of about 10 minutes. I can't be in love. In lust, maybe, but not love. But I am in love. I feel it in every fiber of my being. I don't care what other people say. I know how I feel. I wrote a poem about him today. It's called An Explanation of Love. I can't say it's the best poem I've ever written, but I think it's pretty good. It definitely came straight from my heart. I hope that that's conveyed to the reader, but since I haven't shown anyone yet, I can't be sure. So this is an explanation of love. 
Just moments ago, I was in complete control. But then I saw your face, heard the deep and wonderfully masculine tone of your voice, and forgot everything else. It is as though the world around me has dissolved into nothingness and you have taken its place. You are the sun, the moon, the stars, anything that I will ever need. My hands tremble. My heart beats rapidly within my chest. I belong to you now, forever. Um, September 17th. Paul, I can't get him out of my mind. I've been walking around smiling like a bloody idiot all day. I love the way it feels to be in love and not have to worry about falling for a totally ridiculous person. I like telling people and not feeling embarrassed. I love to say his name, Paul. Today I was doing my French homework. I was pretty well absorbed when I came across a question that used the name Paul. I stopped completely, circled it, and just stared at it for a while. I've taken to calling him my Paul. I know it's a tad too possessive, but I think it has a wonderful sound to it. I was born to say that phrase. Thank you. One more time for Nancy, ladies and gentlemen. Really, I was pretty, pretty, a pretty naive kid, right? And... I just thought there was a sincerity to it. Yeah, it, there's there's an earnest nature to a lot of this stuff. Like kids feel things very strongly, and <laughs> and very very deeply. Well, it's this totally complete and whole kind of feeling, and I think that that goes away as you get older. But when you're young and you see someone and you decide this is the one, it really is the one, and you you see your whole future spread out before you and all the beautiful things that are going to happen, and you believe it. You really, really get it when you're that age in a way that as you get older, you don't believe as as much as quickly as you do when you're young. So you are not with the waiter today. No, no, I'm not with Paul. I, I hope he's having a great life somewhere. Love letters and poetry aren't the only written expressions of young love. Some kids choose to express their romantic feelings through fiction. Our next reader, Judah brought along a short story he wrote when he was 16. And the thing you need to know about this story is that even though it is technically a work of fiction, the protagonist has quite a lot in common with Judah and what was going on in his life at 16. Live on stage in Montreal, here's Judah. Non-fat lattes and decaf dreams. (laughs) The crash of espresso machines mixes with the loud chitter-chatter of honeyed words and computer keyboards as the movements of a crowded corner Starbucks swirl around a disheveled teenage boy. He wears dark wash blue jeans fashioned to his waist with a supple brown leather belt and a buckle that could come straight out of a western 50s flick. He checks his phone to confirm the time and reads over the BBM conversation (laughs) simply because he likes reading it. She asks if he wanted to hang out. He had waited five minutes to answer so as to give the impression that he was preoccupied with other things. He coolly said, sure. 
and suddenly the rest of the day revolved around the single coffee meeting. He puts his phone down on the table. He averts his gaze from the window beside him. He can see his reflection, and he doesn't like what he sees. Puffy cheeks, asymmetrical features, and the ensuing frown making things worse. Three times he looks up at the swoosh of the door, but none of the individuals are the person he's looking for. And then finally, to his supreme delight, though he does not let her see it, his companion walks in. Her name is Eve, and she waves at the boy cheerily, carelessly, and altogether warmly. She nonchalantly glides towards the barista. And her steps confident, her speech even, as she orders something sweet and exotic and stylish. (laughs) Breezily paying with clean, crisp bills from a thick wallet. Her hair is damp, the strands shining and sensually clinging to one another. She had mentioned in her text message that she would come after her post-workout shower. He imagines her running on a treadmill, warm sweat sliding down her neck and running down her torso, each stride forming her athletic and fit body. Her flush not detracting from her femininity in the slightest. Then, in a way that only the mind of a teenage boy could, he starts to violently mentally undress her. He pictures her showering, the water running down her back, front body wash forming at her thighs. He stops himself, lest the lecherous thoughts manifest on his face. There is nothing she does where she is not the top of the pack, the alpha, the leader. Academically or socially, she is everything he wishes he were and more. He hangs on her every word. She licks milk froth from her lips and it makes him crave her body. Imagining the small pink tongue sliding against her lips and no, stop it. She would never be interested. She's like a sister. She would tell you anything. A bird in the cage is worth two in the bush, and you strike now, and you could destroy the entire friendship. And what if it didn't? Carpe diem. Who knows what the future might hold? No, no, no. Don't be foolish. She would never want you. She could never see you in that way. Just tell her. Tell her your goddamn feelings. The internal debate is a constant murmur in his head. The ebb and flow of the discussions never actually warranting an action, but almost pushing him to madness at times. She laughs loudly at one of his jokes. Her whole body seems to shake with the chuckles. They made themselves infinitely vulnerable to one another, telling the deepest of their thoughts and desires, dreams and fears without hesitating from judgment. They enjoyed the same types of music. (laughs) I saw someone last night, she says measuredly. I really liked him. Yeah, he's a good guy, he says with a fake sincerity. Kevin is an unremarkable individual in his periphery. (laughs) Never talked to. Kevin is not nearly only not good enough for her. But the boy knows it isn't the first time they've hung out. I have to tell you, I've never met anyone I feel this way about. I don't know. I think I finally understand what they talk about in Hollywood movies with couples. We're seeing a movie tomorrow night. He's so funny. I can't even tell you. I just know you'll like him. Her big, dark eyes set 
appropriately on olive tones, skin, search his face for signs of feelings before she goes on. Like, we've seen each other a bunch lately. I don't know. I know it seems weird, but I think I, think I love him. He's just so fun and smart and warm. I really think he's someone I could really... Thank you. After the show, I asked Judah how much of his story was based on his own life and whether Eve, the girl in his story, was a real person. Judah told me Eve was based on someone in his life, his friend Adam. Adam was my best friend in high school. He was kind and clever and ambitious and generous of spirit and artistic and had big, pretty eyes. And I spent most of my time with him, uh, and I very quickly fell in love with him. And I have all these things that I couldn't say, obviously, uh, like in the story and many, many coffees that went by without being able to say what I wanted to say. At the end of grade 12, I, I came out to him and I told him everything I had been feeling for the past two years. Uh, I felt like I really needed to. I needed to know what would happen, like what was the end of the story. Um, and and so I told him. And uh, he's a stand-up guy and took it super well, but, you know, didn't think of me in the same way. Uh, I really do credit him with helping me figure out who I am. There was a part of me that thought it was very noble that, you know, I was the the person who didn't expect anything back. You know, love was not something I had to give and take. This wasn't a business transaction. I thought it was very noble that I didn't demand anything in return. I was, I, I, I could just give. And uh, looking back on it now, I think I would steal the line from the person of being a wallflower that, we accept the love we think we deserve, and that, that that's not how relationships work. And so I wish I could tell myself that. As a live show, Grown Ups Rethinks They Wrote as Kids has a pretty simple setup. Some chairs, a stage, a microphone, nothing too fancy. But at our Edmonton show, we had some additional equipment on stage. You may be wondering why there is a guitar on the stage. And as Carlito comes up and turns on his amplifier... I'm going to explain exactly what's happening here. When Carlito was 14 or 15 years old, he had a relationship with a girl. They broke up. He wrote some journal entries about that girl and then wrote a song. And we're going to hear it tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to our stage, Carlito. A quick heads up, Carlito uses some cuss words in his song, which we do not bleep. Okay, here's Carlito, first with lyrics from his journal, and then a full-on song. The first one, I'm just going to read you really quick. This is one I was really upset. It was called Girl Repellent. (laughs) Um, And I'm just going to read you really quick the verse. 
What the hell is wrong with me? I just don't get these females. Is it my smell or maybe the gel I put in my hair to impress them? <laughs> Can anyone unravel this mystery to me? They blow me away like I don't mean a thing. <laughs> I know, aw. The chorus goes, just bottle me as girl repellent. It's so easy to see that I'm girl repellent. It's so obvious to them like it's written on my skin. All right, uh, really quick, I'm going to sing a song really quick. Sorry. Oh, we were in a shitty, like, Blink-182 cover, man. Yeah, me and you, we tried for one, not two. But it got fucked and now I can't even talk to you And now things are bad for me and you Yeah, I'm so sad I never want to fall in love again (laughs) What's with this life? Caught me by surprise Over and over again Whoa, is me I could have seen before I fell in love. <laughs> yeah, me and you. Doesn't that sound cool? We could hang out and chill in my room. It's just too bad. It had to end. But in your mind, it shouldn't have begun. What's with this life? Come me by surprise over and over again. Woe is me. I wish I could have seen before I fell in love. Poetry is always popular at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, and our next couple of readers chose to express their feelings of young love in verse. First up, it's Caitlin, who brought along two poems she wrote when she was 17. She wrote the first one when she was dating her first boyfriend, and she wrote the second one just after they broke up. Now, a quick heads up, Caitlin's poems include some cuss words, which we do not bleep. They also acknowledge the existence of sex. Live on stage in London, reading before and after breakup poems, here's Caitlin. So the first poem is called The 11 p.m. Rush. He kisses her, downstairs, away from prying eyes. (laughs) She touches him and longs for his warmth. Their eyes meet. She blushes at the thought of staring straight into his soul. He keeps her there to pluck at her heartstrings. They lay together on the broken-down paisley couch, hand in hand, chest to chest, lips to lips. (laughs) What feels like five minutes is five hours of love. Slowly but surely, (laughs) their clothing is thrown for the floor to wear instead. (laughs) Sweaty palms, heaving chests, shortness of breath, Darting vision, dry mouths. (laughs) 
an epiphany, euphoria, utopia, paradise. <laughs> Garden of earthly delights. <laughs> Call it what you will, it's just what it is, passion at its finest. <laughs> That first kiss is nothing. They call it the best. But what is better than the embrace they share and the visions they have and the way they can still surprise each other? They will not be there forever. Soon the sun will set on their life. But both will always remember the first time they ever sat on that broken down Paisley couch. <laughs> So the second poem is called That Was All a Lie. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is all a lie. This is not the truth. How can someone feel this way after three months? <laughs> three months of lies. <laughs> we didn't love each other. We never cared to have common interests or show our love to the world. The only thing we had was a physical attraction, which I thought was real, could keep us together. But if we just tried... But you know what? It sucked. <laughs> you couldn't give me heat. You came, I saw. You groaned, I clawed. You shattered, I felt numb. <laughs> I faked it for you, so you felt good. <laughs> so you felt like a man. <laughs> But how the fuck do you expect to get it without getting it in return? That broken down Paisley couch was a stitch away from being dead. <laughs> that night we watched Pokemon and you expected head. <laughs> I said no. You said fine. That was it. Just that line. It was the end. Nothing more. After that you avoided me as if I had the plague. Well, I did. A... <laughs> A plague of paranoia, a disease of hurt and need, a slight wrenching euphoria of want and pain and red. Fuck you. Fuck it all. One more time for Caitlin, ladies and gentlemen. Next up in Toronto, it's Beth. Beth got what you might call a late start in love, and to prove it, she shared some teenage poetry written between the ages of 13 and 16. Uh, unlike some of the stories we've heard tonight, I was a late bloomer in love. And so all of these poems are from before I had ever had a boyfriend or been on a date or kissed anyone. So they're mostly about unrequited love. I'm so afraid... I don't understand these feelings you've made me feel. I don't know. What should I do? I'm afraid my feelings show. I don't know what's wrong. Why I feel this. But I know I can't go on. <laughs> Whenever I see you, I wonder, are you the one? When we talk at school, laugh at stuff you say, I wonder, are you the one? <laughs> I want to get to know you, but I'm so afraid. I wonder, are you the one? <laughs> so scared I'll hurt you, or maybe you'll hurt me. I wonder, <laughs> are you the one? <laughs> I see your imperfections, but they're so outweighed. 
I wonder, are you the one? The one to hold me tight, always be there for me? I wonder, are you the one? The one to make me laugh and to stop my tears? I wonder, are you the one? Hi, this is Beth, reader of Are You the One? If I could meet teenage Beth and tell her a few things about love and being a late bloomer, the first thing that I would tell her is that it's okay to feel all the feelings and to be confused and to be uncertain and you're going to be okay. The second thing that I would tell her is that maybe her idea of love could use a little expanding. Um, I got married last month, a week shy of my 30th birthday, and this is definitely the first relationship I've been in where I have been loved, and I have loved in the way that I would call actual love. And it looks nothing like what Teenage Beth thought it would look like. So I think I would just want to encourage her to look around her, maybe look at real life a little bit more, a little less at Hollywood or young adult novels or fairy tales. And and that love is an amazing thing, but it's not going to look like the one in the way that she thinks. We hear a lot of writing about crushes, and there's a particular type of crush that can be especially excruciating. That's the secret crush, where you have very strong feelings for somebody, but you never actually come right out and say it. When our next reader, Lauren, was 15, he went away to boarding school to play hockey. I left Vancouver and I went to Saskatchewan, and so I left a little piece of my heart in Vancouver with this girl named Tanya. And we exchanged all kinds of letters, but rather than, than tell her I loved her, I just uh, thought I'd sweep her off her feet eventually by, by uh, supporting her in her relationships with other guys. <laughs> Quick heads up, some of Lauren's letters to Tanya include cuss words, which we do not bleep. They also acknowledge the existence of sex. Okay, there's your heads up. Live on stage in Yellowknife, here's Lauren. Dear Tanya, last time I talked to you, you were upset about Noah. How's that situation? Even though there's tons of garbage going on with him, it sounds like you and Luke are making up a bit. What is up with you and Shane? Things here are pretty good. Today is the first laundry I've had since I got here, so I've been washing my underwear by hand while I shower. (laughs) Has there been any good parties lately? By the way, you're the only person that writes as much as they say they will. Actually, that's not true. Theo, who is to this day still my best friend, keeps his promises. He told me that he wouldn't write, and he hasn't. (laughs) Love, Lauren. 
Dear Tanya, that's too bad about Jamie and you, but that's unfortunately the way things tend to go. I know you guys were pretty into each other and that you thought of sleeping with him, but is this loss on the same level as when you and Luke broke up? I guess you grew pretty attached to Jamie quickly, but hopefully it was just infatuation. Infatuation goes way up on an emotional level and then comes down fairly quickly. Another thing that can happen to me is that instead of being really into the person, I'm really into the idea of being in the relationship. (laughs) Then when the relationship isn't perfect like it was in my imagination, I lose the desire to uphold the relationship. By the way, thanks for the picture. You shouldn't be so hard on yourself. You look good. (laughs) Hopefully you found the picture of me. I've changed a lot since that photo was taken. I now have sideburns. (laughs) Love, Lauren. Dear Tanya, your letter came at the perfect time. I was having a shitty week and I was getting really bummed out. When I'm reading a letter from home, I kind of forget where I am for a couple of minutes. What you told me about Scott doesn't surprise me at all. I heard in one of my letters from someone else that you and Luke are involved again. Sorry if it's old news, but news travels slow in Saskatchewan. I got my hair cut and the damn lady took off my sideburns. Love, Lauren. P.S. The only bad thing right now is that my roommate just started using steroids. This whole exchange culminates in, in, a, in a Valentine's Day card. There it is. That's the card I chose for. Three elephants with some hearts. Tanya, hopefully this will get to you on time, but if not, I hope you had a good Valentine. I tried to find the least mushy card I could. In your last letter, uh, it said you were having a pretty tough time trying to straighten out your feelings for Luke. (laughs) I'm no pro on the matter, but I know that the worst thing for both of you would be to stop talking. The hardest part is doing what you're doing right now, which is trying to maintain your friendship despite some stronger feelings. Things here are moving along pretty well. Valentine's Day is coming up and I'm still flying solo. Flying solo is great. (laughs) But not on Valentine's Day. The other night night we were making predictions for everybody's life. As a joke, a bunch of girls decided that I'm on my way to being a good old down-home farmer with a cute wife that raises the kids. Pretty scary, hey? I told them what is really going to happen, that is, after I graduate from my hockey scholarship at Cornell, I will travel all over and find a sweet tropical wife who wears a coconut bra. She will take care of everything while I'm on the road playing in the NHL. After that, we'll buy a cabin on a lake where we can spend our weekends with all our kids. By the way... Time Magazine names me Father of the Year in 2009. We can all dream. Love, Lauren. I really want to get in touch with Tanya right now. (laughs) 
Hi, Dan. This is Tanya Stadnick. I just uh, finished listening to the reading that Lauren did, so uh, I, I thought I would answer some of your questions. Yep. I asked Tanya to call in, and she explained that all those letters Lauren sent more than 20 years ago, they were sitting in a box at her mom's house. So, a couple of months before our Yellowknife show, her mom sent Tanya the box. Then Tanya sent Lauren the letters, and then I sent Tanya a recording of Lauren reading them on stage. And then listening to them, I honestly, I was laughing so hard, and I really wonder how I missed that he had a crush on me. I have a funny story, actually. I remember him coming back uh, from Saskatchewan, and uh, he brought me this little stuffed baby Simba lion from The Lion King, and then he took me to the movie. And somehow I still missed at that point that uh, that he had a crush on me. Um, you know, Lauren was, was my rock when I was younger. And, uh, you know, there's some people that you never forget from your, from your younger years, and Lauren's definitely one of those. So listening to all of this, it, uh, it helped to bring some laughter and, and light to my day. Um, I even had my husband listen to them, and uh, after he, he finished recovering from, from his laughter, he said to me, Dan, why didn't you date that guy? That is our Valentine's Day edition of Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live in cities across Canada and produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. If you enjoyed this episode of Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, tell somebody about it. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.